Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and welcome to Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green here, along with my co-host, Susie Horton. We do this every Monday, September through May, um, except for holidays, like next week in the United States. So we will not be on the air next Monday. Susie, how are you today? Good, thanks. And how are you, Dr. Green? I am good. Um, you know what? I'm going to try to give the call-in number without you having to remind me today. <laughs> Are you ready? I am. 347-994-2981. And of course, for anybody who's listening, if you want to be reminded that the show is on the air, just before the show goes on the air, I tweet. It's one of the very, very few things I tweet about. Um, but if you want a reminder, you can get tweeted if you sign up for our Twitter feed on the homepage of the Lives in the Balance website. Susie, anything you want to start with today? Uh, just a gentle reminder to please press 1 after you use the call-in number. I knew I forgot something. Oh, you're doing great. Um, let's see. I wanted to mention uh, that I have been volunteering at an elementary school. And last year, you may recall, there was a little kindergartner who was repeatedly singled out, screened at by the teacher, and put in a timeout chair, constantly embarrassed with the timeout chair. And after some weeks, um, mind you, she'd been doing her way of teaching for 30 years, I just couldn't take it anymore, and I could you know, only imagine how the little boy must be feeling. So... I um, made an appointment with the teacher at a quiet time and talked about the model with her. She is very skeptical, but we both agreed that something different had to be done because what we were doing wasn't working. And um, I'm pleased to say that despite her, her reservations, she gave um, Plan B and the model a chance, and uh, things have been going, have improved. They're much better for everybody. So I was wondering, maybe Dr. Green, if you could just uh, talk a little bit about the importance of raising this with teachers in schools and getting them on board um, that's where a lot of the challenging behavior happens. But if the school buys into it, that maybe you can talk to parents about it. Well, there are um, definitely schools that have helped parents buy into the model um, by doing the collaborative and proactive solutions in their schools. And it's actually one of the things that um, I find that the people in those schools get the most um, touched about when they're talking about the great work that they've done not only with kids but also with the parents of those kids and 
parents are also very moved by um, seeing their kids being treated in a way that is much more compassionate and much more uh, effective um, and seeing their kids do well instead of poorly. Um, that means that uh, yeah, there's a lot of schools that are doing things well these days, but there's also a lot of schools that are um, still stuck in the dark ages when it comes to discipline and attitudes toward behaviorally challenging students. And um, of course, that's a big reason that Lives in the Balance has an entire section of the website devoted to educators and schools and why, and this is the nice part, if you ask me what audiences am I mostly speaking to these days? It's schools. Mm -hmm. Just last Friday, I was in front of uh, school social workers from, I don't know, five or six different states in the Midwest, maybe seven or eight, um, and a very enthusiastic group of very caring people with big hearts who would like nothing better than to help people better understand and help the behaviorally challenging kids in these schools that they work in. So it does seem to be happening. There's some parts of the country where it's happening quicker and other parts of the country where it's happening slower. But um, it's happening, which is good. can't happen quick enough for me, of course. Right. I just also wanted to mention that October is a very busy and exciting month for Lives in the Balance that I see where you posted a special webinar for parents on October 8th at noontime. That's this Thursday at noon. Yes. Um, we had to we had to cancel it at the last minute the last time because we had some technology issues, but we seem to have those worked out. At least we'll find out on Thursday. If we don't have them worked out this Thursday, we're switching to a new technology, but we think we've got it. That's this Thursday. What else? Well, the fifth annual international summit is being held in Portland, Maine, in about twelve days, I believe. And that is a week from this coming Friday. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, please. Go ahead. Um, well, that's all I had to say about it. All right. Um, it just looks like it's going to be a very um, interesting and um, motivating day. It is, and there's going to be a big group there. We know that already, but room for more. So if um, people want to get in at the last minute here to register, um, they can still do that on the Lives in the Balance website. Our keynote speakers are Alfie Cohn and Joan Durant. Um, you can read about them on the website as well. It's going to be quite a day and incredible breakout groups as well. Uh, and Alfie and uh, Joan are both doing breakout groups, as am I and some of my colleagues here on Lives in the Balance and any variety of other non-punitive, non-adversarial interventions. It is quite a rich day. People who come often say it's the highlight of the year, and we hope this year won't disappoint. Sounds great. We also, just in case you weren't about to mention it, have the three-day um, summit on school mental health in Calgary um, later in the month. And um, there's still time, as I understand it, to register for that one as well. You can find that on the homepage of the Lives in the Balance in the blue section as well. We have a caller who's been waiting patiently. And um, I know we had a few from last week who we couldn't get to. Maybe this is one of them. Shall we turn to our caller now? Yes, let's. 
here, here we go. Area code 858, you're on the air. What's up? Good morning, Dr. Green and Susie. I am the mother who called last week who had drank the Kool-Aid, and I continue to drink the Kool-Aid. And I wanted to get um, give you some updates and get some more help. Um, uh, so We my, love updates, uh, and we're happy to give some more help. Great. Um, so I'm hoping to get help with the nitty-gritty of drilling down. Um, our unsolved problem with our 9-year-old son that we're working on right now is getting his clothes on in the morning before school. And um, after uh, the first four weeks of school, um, I was still having trouble trying to um, get what I, I thought the solutions, and last week you helped me understand that I, I didn't do enough, we didn't do enough to get his concerns on the table. And you thought, well, maybe there were some communication issues with him. And I talked to the school psychologist and a few other people last week, and just I think we all decided that that's not really the issue and that it, I just needed to probably do a better job at um, the drilling down. And so um, on Friday uh, last week, I was able to get my son. While he was in the bath, we did. Uh, I was able to talk with him. He was very relaxed and calm. And we did the Likert scale with, you know, hands up, you know, five being true and one not being true at all. And it was beautiful. Good for you, for you. And, yeah, it was re- really helpful. And so, uh, so we, you know, I was able to get a, a lot of information or some information from him, which was great. And the big thing that came out of that talk was there's just too much for him to do in the morning. And Great. And so then um, the weekend happened, and yesterday afternoon I was starting to think, like, wait, I I can't remember everything we even talked about or all the details, and, you know, it's going to be Monday morning. I I feel like we need to, you know, revisit this because even I wasn't sure what what we had decided on. And um, so I also uh, typed up a survey for him to do. And um, so yesterday evening, I you know, I tried to make it fun and – I need a survey from you, and what's this all about, Mom? So I had seven questions, and so he did the survey, and then the most interesting thing happened. All of his answers were just about as opposite from what he had said to me on Friday. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so then when I I wanted to try to, you know, get more information on some of the questions, uh, he was done with the conversation, didn't want to talk anymore, and, you know, he'd already put in some some good time and thinking, which is fine. So what I'm hoping for is I have my seven questions, and I was wondering if I could ask you about some of them and if you could help me when I go back to talk to him how to drill down even further. And the other thing I was when I was going through the survey was making sure that I wasn't asking about feelings and more about behavior, and sometimes I'm not sure if I did that well enough. Let's hear it. I th- I, number okay. one, how incredible that you have really taken the bull by the horns here and um, done everything that you've done in the last week. I think it is fabulous, and I also think it's fabulous that you seem to be extracting more information from your son, and that's always wonderful. Tell us, tell us the seven questions. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so my son surveyed difficulty getting dressed in the morning. Um, so a five is true. So number one, I have difficulty getting dressed because it's hard, too hard. He said three. I have difficulty getting dressed because there's too much to do in the morning. Two, I have difficulty getting dressed because I just want to play with the cat's toys or watch screens. 
number, he gave that a three. Number four, I have difficulty getting dressed because it's boring. I think that's more on the feeling side, but that's the number. He gave that a two. And then I have difficulty getting dressed because of my brother. That was a five. And that's the one that Hmm. was the most opposite from Friday to last night. And then two more questions. I have difficulty getting dressed because I'm too tired. He gave that a one. And then the last one, I have difficulty getting dressed because I am hungry. And he gave that a three. So you got a bunch of threes and a five. Mm Mm-hmm. And which was completely opposite from when we talked on Friday. And when you say that it was completely opposite, does that mean that you brought up the brother and he said it was not a major issue or that the brother never came up? Uh, We brought up the brother and he said, no, that's not a problem at all. Nope, nope, he's not doing anything to bother me or get in my way or – and so I know – and because we weren't able to – drill down um, further last night, I, you know, I, I know I have to go into that and maybe he will, uh, you know, elucidate me with something, but um, I'm just, I just, it was surprising from Friday to, to Sunday. And, you know, well, here's I, the know, interesting thing. Uh, yeah. Number one, it's not, this is sort of what I would call the process of sorting through what's really getting in his way. We have to take into account the possibility that he hasn't really given this a great deal of thought. That's one possible explanation for why you're getting what seems like contradictory information. He's sorting through what's really going on. He's thinking more about it. And so what seemed not to be an issue on the first pass turned into a bigger issue as he thought about it more. And so the whole process of the empathy step, gathering information, is to sort through it all. You know, it's interesting when you ask many adults a question about something that they haven't given a great deal of thought to, sometimes they'll say something initially, and then as they think about it some more, you either get something that's more nuanced than what they originally said or something that even contradicts what they originally said. But all of this is a really nice part of the process of sorting through what's really getting in his way. And that's fabulous. So what I would probably include is, let's say if you were just doing this in a conversation – And the reason this is a little bit more interesting is because you are gathering information in multiple ways, which quite frankly I think is fabulous. But if this was an ongoing conversation, you might have said something like, oh, that's interesting because earlier you said that your brother wasn't a problem. Is your brother bothering you a bigger problem than you thought in the beginning? And that would just be your effort to clarify the difference between the two different reports Sometimes the kid says something one minute and five minutes later he contradicts it. And in your case, he said something by one method of gathering information and contradicted it by another method of gathering information. But that wouldn't bother me a bit. You just have some additional clarifying to do. And here's why that's important. The contradiction part uh, isn't troubling at all, to tell you the truth. I mean, there are are people who would say, well, he he must be lying No, he's sorting it through. Why would we think he's lying? I would much prefer to think he's thinking it through, and that's how it always turns out. But you can always ask. Is is your brother 
less of an issue, more of an issue than you thought it was initially. But one more thing. Here's why that's important. Because you're looking for what it is that needs to be solved, what it is that needs to be addressed so that this problem can be solved. And this is why continuing to drill instead of running with the first thing he says is so crucial. Because the yeah. first thing he said was that his brother wasn't a problem at all, and it may turn out that his brother may be the biggest problem at all of all. And it's good for you to sort that through before plunging into a solution. So everything I'm hearing, everything I'm hearing, all good. Thank you. Susie, anything so, to add? I'd love to. I am so happy that you called back this week because, of course, as soon as we hung up, I thought of a few more things that I really wanted to add. One is, if you haven't already, um, Drs. Epstein and Green wrote a book for children. It's called The Adventures of Stretch Moore. And it's specifically written uh, a book that you can uh, read along with your child and you can pick your path story. So it it um, helps you solve problems together. And oh, I like that. Yes, yes. I, I think it would be so beneficial if you you know, could pick up a copy of that. And I also wanted to compliment you, like Dr. Green said, for trying this approach and how brave you are um, because it is different and it's not conventional wisdom. But I've got to tell you, in my experience with my three children and schools, um, it it really does work. And I love that you got creative um, meeting your child on his level with the survey that was just um brilliant i thought um oh and lastly i wanted to just mention that when we were having a problem with um my son getting dressed in the morning we had worked out that i bought him comfortable clothes um, that he approved of, and he got, I know it's going to sound crazy, but he got dressed the night before and slept in his clothes, and then he was all ready for school. And it was just one less thing to have on your list. Um, it sounds like the brother is the main problem, but I just wanted to add my two cents that, um, you know, he was just in cute little top and, and sweats, and it was comfortable for him to sleep in, and it worked out for us. That, so that does not sound crazy to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I appreciate so much of what you've said, Susie. I, I just, you give me so much hope, and I just I keep imagining my son, you know, <clears throat> finishing college and working for a startup down the road. And I feel That's exactly like right. Yeah, that we're going to get there, and I just being able to hear all the things that you've gone through, and to be able to be on the other side, just that has helped me. Because I just, when I learned about this, uh, the CPS approach, it, it's funny because in our state, CPS stands for Child Protective Services. Of so course, I, right? I, I try not to say CPS when I'm talking about. It's ironic, yes. Yeah, um, 
but it, that when I heard about it, I just, you know, the, everything clicked on because the pain has been so great of and what we've been doing that I just, I really have felt like there are there are no other options out there, and that's why I have just gone um, so full force on this because I I know in my heart it's right. I know with my son it's right, and even last night on a, a, a different issue, um, we were um, all out in the living room, and then my son said, "Mom and Dad, I need to talk to you. Can we go in your room?" and and he initiated dialogue, and oh, we're, that's it was great. just something that just has never happened in our life and, and and we just had the best conversation and and he was he was talking about we use timers a lot in our house and he was saying how and he initiated the thing that he um <clears throat> he sometimes cheats with the timer and pushes uh-huh. it back and he said I just I need help with that like maybe you guys could have a, a second timer to help remind me and uh-huh. it was just it, it was I just almost was in tears because it it was so great. Absolutely. And, I, mean, I mean, also in the same weekend, you know, he probably yelled, I hate you 12 times this weekend. And, of course. You know, so it's, you know, I, I don't mean to be, but, you know, everything's perfect now. You know, we're we're in we're in process, and it's, you know, I think it's a, a lifelong process. But um, I just have one other quick question. I don't know if I'm taking up too much time. But on the question of when, when I ask him, it's too boring, because that's something I hear a lot from him. How do I drill down more on getting information about when things are too boring? Or it, well, there's the, there's the drilling cheat sheet on the website in that. the resources yep. section. Yep. And the best strategy for one, we don't want to assume that we know what he means by it's boring. So the strategy I always use when I'm sitting there going, I don't know what he means, uh, I think a lot of caregivers feel that they should know what the kid means. Um, like the kid, uh, the, there's things kids say that, like, it's too hard, or I just don't want to, or it's boring. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that we assume we know what the kid means, but we really don't know what the kid means. And the, re- the strategy that's best for that is reflective listening. It's boring, and then a clarifying statement. Help, help me understand what you mean by that. And then he says, and we'll "I don't see if know." He keeps, we'll see if he keeps going. Well, if he says, "I don't know," um, I might say, "Are there other words you could use so I understand what you mean by boring better?" Okay. And you could words. also do the, you could also do also do the finger thing there too, um, which would be something like, um, "You mean there's more interesting things going on in your room?" He could show you the fingers for that. Um, you mean you lose track of where you're at because you're not really able to concentrate on it? He could show you one through five fingers on that. So if he says, I don't know, you could begin guessing. And it actually sounds like the having you say something and have him, I was going to say give you the finger, but we'll say give you the fingers. <laughs> um, yeah. It sounds like that's a good strategy for you, so I would keep using it. And I just want to read you something. This is a... Um, this is one that we were going to cover today. This is an email that, I, that we received at Lives in the Balance, and we we're going to talk about it on the program today. And I just want to let you know that you calling in helped this mom as well. I'm going to, I'm going to read this one that we were going to cover, but now won't because the answer is exactly the same. Are you ready? Yes. This one says, my husband and I read your book, The Explosive Child, and both agreed that our son struggles with most of the challenges described in the book. 
we wanted to implement this approach rather than the many, many other books we've read that just didn't work for him and our family. We wrote down his difficulties and chose the priority we ones we wanted to work on. The problem we're encountering is with his communication level when we ask him, what's up? He is unable to answer the why behind many of the difficulties we want to work on, especially if they have to do with his emotional struggles over physical struggles. For example, he has difficulty remaining quiet when we go to restaurants, and he has difficulties sweeping the porch outside. He is deaf, and his birth parents did not communicate with him. He didn't have a language. He didn't have any language until he was almost five. He is now eight years old. Although he has learned sign language quickly, we feel we have hit a wall with him using Plan B. Do you have any pointers for helping him without telling him what to say or finding a solution by ourselves because we want his input too? You calling in and asking your questions and doing what you did just helped another mother. Well, we're all out there helping each other, getting through it. Anything else you want to cover during today's call? Oh, well, I have another question, sort of um, not related, but I, our son is also adopted, and I have heard many other parents who've called in talk about adopted children. Have does, does, I don't, I don't say does it matter? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Have you, from a research base, do you find that more children who are adopted tend to um, be more explosive, or is there no connection? And I know it doesn't change anything that we're approaching, but I'm just curious about that. My understanding of the research is that kids who are adopted have somewhat higher levels of behavioral challenges. But I think the mistake we would make is to assume that that's because they're adopted. So correlation doesn't equal causation, Many right. of them probably also have brown eyes as well. Yeah. Um, there are things that can go along with being adopted that can be unsolved problems for kids. Um, but I am always a little worried that sometimes, in some cases, I'm going to be careful about how I word this because I don't want to um, offend anybody, sometimes we make a bigger deal out of the adoption than the adoption really is to the kid. Yeah. Sometimes the adults are the ones who are seeing it when it's not really there. But, of course, we don't want to miss it. But I think adults often theorize that something in the kid's past could be affecting the kid in the present. And we know that adult theories are frequently inaccurate. There are times when adult theories are accurate. Um, I think that if... Being adopted is an issue for the kid. Um, there's a decent chance, not always, but a decent chance that they are going to verbalize that, and now we know that there is a problem that needs to be solved. Um, what Does that make all make sense? Oh, yeah. It's kind of what I, I thought to, to begin with, but um, you know, just a, a curiosity. Well, thank you so much, Susie and Dr. Green. I feel like I'm pursuing a master's in CPS. <laughs> you you call yeah. anytime you want, and eventually okay. we'll give you that honorary master's in CPS. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you. And I hope we can get you out to our state and to our district and to our school. I would love to know how to do that. I, I think you're out in uh, San Diego area, and I've been out there before, yeah. but happy to come back. 
Okay, great. Thank you so much. Take good care. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Susie, we have another caller. Great. Here we go. Area code 630, you're on the air. What's up today? Hi. Um, I have an 8-year-old son, and the unsolved problem that I've tried to write down and articulate is that he has difficulty stopping his free computer time at home and pretty much any time. So if he gets 20 minutes, he you know, can't stop at the end of his 20 minutes. Um, and even if his time is extended, like let's say he's got two minutes and something left, he still has a hard time. And so when I'm trying to do plan B at a proactive time, he'll tell me that it's just too much fun and he can't stop. And I get the I don't know a lot from him. And so as I was looking through the plan B cheat sheet um, from the paperwork section, I noticed you know, in that center section of the empathy stage, it talks about kids not talking or not knowing. Um, and so I kind of feel like that's where I am. And he'll answer, I don't know, to everything from what do you want for breakfast to what would you like to be for Halloween. Um, Decision-making is definitely a challenge for him. Interesting. I'm looking for where to go from here. Well, there is the Plan B cheat sheet. But there is also the drilling guide, yes. and um, that might help you as well. It's in the paperwork section as well. I have it. It uh, um, That may give you some other things you can ask while drilling to see if there are ways to get around I don't knows. Um, but I don't know if you had a chance to hear what we were talking with the mom who just called in before you about. I did not, so I'm sorry if this is Got a repeat. It. So no, 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 this is not a repeat. But what we talked about with her, both on last week's program and on this week's program, would be of tremendous help to you. Because, um, first of all, your son may be. It's interesting. You you said you get an almost immediate I don't know, but then it you also said that he has difficulty making decisions. And my question is, um, uh, is the I don't know immediate and prolonged, or is the I don't know just immediate? So, like, if you were to say to him, what do you want to be for Halloween? Would you get an immediate I don't know, but it would still be I don't know three days later, or is it just an immediate I don't know? It's immediate and prolonged to the point where, like last year, he never did end up being anything for Halloween. He really can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, I think the drilling strategies could help you, but what we talked with the mom who just called in about, and she had called in last week and was giving us a follow-up today, and in her case, what we recommended last week worked out really well for her, and she got a lot of information from her son this week. Um, we, I, I recommended that she do this um, strategy that I teach kids. I tell them, I'm going to make a statement, and I want you to let me know how true it is of you. Five means very true. Four means pretty true. Three means sort of true. Two means not very true. And one means not true at all. Um, and then I'll make a statement. 
and the kid lets us know how true it is by holding up fingers. So the kid doesn't really have to say anything. But in place of I don't know, what we're doing is proposing possible hypotheses. And what the child has to do is simply let us know how true what we've said might be. The mom also, this is another strategy I use less often, but sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll do a survey. I'll write up a survey question with multiple choice items on it. Um, and that might work particularly well on the Halloween um, what do I want to be question. I don't remember what the other thing he's saying I don't know in response to is. Um, but these are ways to get information out of kids um, who have difficulty giving us the information through verbal give and take. What, what do you, you think? Well, we our version is thumbs up, so-so thumbs up, you know, kind of five on a scale. Yes. What if you go through lists and lists of ideas or questions or what might it be, and they just, well, one is you can only go so far before they get frustrated of you asking, even if it's a survey. So then you kind of have to stop. But um, when you run out of ideas, I f- either I'm looking for a needle in a haystack or he really doesn't know. Well, and it's conceivable that he doesn't know. Um, he, he just may not feel super strongly about what he wants to be for Halloween. What was the other issue that he's saying I don't well, know in response issue, to? I don't remember. Oh, that's just what he wants for breakfast. But the biggest issue is, it's kind of a version of I don't know, is, Mommy, I can't stop playing the computer. It's just too much fun. All right. Well, now, that's the nice thing about that is that that is not an I don't know. That just So is it when you... Um, seek additional information that then you get I don't knows? Correct. Because that may be it. That may be all there is to it. Well, I understand that, but it doesn't help us get past the issue. (laughs) Well, it doesn't help you solve the problem alone because it's only his concern. In the define adult, so that bottom line is that may be all there is to it when it comes to his concern. That might be it. It's fun, right? And truth is, you'll hear that from a lot of kids who are having difficulty getting off video games. Um, there might be a little bit more to it than it's fun. What I hear from a lot of kids who have difficulty playing getting off video games is that they don't want to lose a level, they don't want to lose their progress. Right. It's hard to save the game. Those are things that I might explore with him if you haven't already. Um, but then you'll have it. Then what's your concern, I guess, is the big question. How come you want him to get off, and how come he needs to get off pretty pretty immediately when it's time? Well, he has a timer, so we set a time limit, because, of course, I don't want him playing every waking moment. And so he knows what his time is. Um, and, again, I will let him finish. So if the timer goes off and he says, I'm in the middle of this level, I'll say, well, you finish that and then, you know, get off. Um, He just says it's too much. So my concern is that I think there should be a limited amount of time of screen time that he gets. Usually adult concerns fall into one or both of two categories. How the unsolved problem is affecting the kid 
how the unsolved problem is affecting other people. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Maybe you think that much screen time isn't good for him, but it would be good if you could be more explicit about your concerns. Is there something you want him to move on to? or is So if I said, I don't think you spend plenty. enough time outside, I'd like you to go outside. Mm-hmm. So you'd like him to spend time, you think it would be good for him to spend time doing other things outside besides playing a video game inside? That's As how it affects example. him. Any, got it. Any other ways in which you feel, uh, in what, any other concerns that you have about it? I guess just that it seems so addicting to him that no matter how, you know, if I place shorter limits, longer limits, it just feels like it's such a draw and that worries me. Now, I would have trouble putting, I would have trouble putting that into, yes, it affects you by causing you to worry, but um, I don't know. Do you want to put as your concern that you feel that he's becoming addicted to it? He might. We might have trouble doing something about that one. That, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure how mm-hmm. we would address your anxiety over it being addicting. So if I said I think he isn't using his time wisely or we don't have enough time to, I don't know, he always gets his homework done. Um, I don't know, it's just frustrating. The battle is frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the interesting thing. We we are running into um, what sometimes happens in the Define Adult Concern step, and that is we know what your solution is, He should only stay on for 20 minutes. But sometimes it's a lot harder for adults to home in on what their concerns are that prompted that solution. And I get it. Seeing him play video games is causing you angst, and you don't want him to become addicted, and you don't think it's good for him. But those would be pretty vague. The most specific one that is actionable is that you would like to see him doing things outside instead of spending so much time in front of a screen inside. That's the most actionable one of your concerns because the reality is he can't do that much about your angst unless you have a specific concern that can be addressed with the solution. So the most specific one that you've mentioned is you'd like him to be outside some rather than spending a lot of his time inside in front of a screen. Yes? Yes. That's what you'd probably put in. Go ahead. No, go. I I would say outside turns into, so... Goes outside, rings his friend's doorbell, friend is at football, comes back inside, I don't know what to do, Joey's not home. Different unsolved problem. But here's the interesting thing. One turns into the next one. (laughs) Well, it's possible that difficulty getting off the video game in 20 minutes, which I think is a well-worded unsolved problem, 
What sometimes happens in the empathy step, I do think that that is a separate unsolved problem, but what happens in the empathy step is you stumble across other ones, and I've just heard another one, difficulty finding friends to play with outside or difficulty, you'd know how to best word this, but difficulty finding friends to do things with. Because it does sound like what you're saying is the, the video game becomes his default activity. I'm theorizing here. I could be wrong. The, de- the video game becomes his, def- becomes his default activity because he can't find anything else to do. Is that what's happening? That's fair. And I've actually started a survey, and one of the questions on my survey for him is, I like to play with friends, and the next one is I like to play alone. And I think the answer to I like to play alone would be absolutely not. Interesting. Because he's playing the video game I only know what to do. Aside from that, I think he'd say I don't know what to do if I don't have someone to play with, except for the Mm -hmm. video game, of course, because that's a very solitary type of activity. So he would prefer to be playing with friends, but he's having difficulty finding friends to play with. So that would be a separate unsolved problem. Looks like you've got two to tackle to cover the overall situation. Um, I'm not sure that even if he had friends to play with and once you solved that problem, he would be any better able to get off the video game in 20 minutes. So I do think that they are separate unsolved problems, you get to decide which one you want to tackle first. It is conceivable that getting off after 20 minutes would get taken care of if he had friends to play with and that problem was solved. You'll find out. Um, Susie, any input here? It's a tough one. Um, I know that Plan B takes time and it takes a takes a bit of time for the uh, child to learn to participate in the process. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, you're working together in the, well, you're not at the invitation step yet, but it sounds like the solution is the 20 minutes on the video game, and I'm wondering if there's any sort of wiggle room in that to work something out with your son so that perhaps he could have just a a little bit more time with a game. Um, I could give him an hour and we would probably go through the same fit at the end. (laughs) With Uh a lot of sorrow. You know, I, I I must say that when I drill further on that one i find that i get the it's fun is one thing but and i i usually get that in the beginning but then when i am able to get more information by one means or another um it becomes much more interesting a, a kid who i recently did that with the parents were giving him 10 minutes to do a video game before it was time to get ready for bed and it turned out he couldn't do anything in 10 minutes. Nothing could be done on the video games that he was... It took three minutes just to boot the thing up. And after seven more minutes, he was definitely going to be in the middle of something, and the kid simply could not get off in the middle. You're saying... Um, so, so it does feel like we need a little bit more information by one means or another. 
I agree with Susie. 20 minutes is the solution. I'm hearing you. Even if it was an hour, that wouldn't fix it because he's still going to have difficulty getting off. You have another problem that overlaps with this one, and that is that he has trouble finding friends to do things with. And that might be about as far as we can take you today because we are about out of time. All righty. Well, thanks for your I input. hope we've I helped you it. a little bit. It actually does seem like you're making a little bit of headway in terms of information. I hope you can get some more because that's going to be the grist for the solution mill once you finally get there. Feel free to call in again, though. Thank you. You bet. Susie, that's going to do it for today. Well, Two very interesting calls today. Yes, very. Um, And uh, we are not on next Monday, which is October 12th. It's Columbus Day here in the United States, but we will be on the Monday after that, which will be the 19th. Talk to you then. Great. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care, all.